talking all things theatre and events. And so I thought, well, do you know what? The baton was there and I picked it up and I've never looked back really. I would love for um, large, well-known venues to programme more up-close sensory work. Kind of had to think really quickly about what our ethos is going to be and what our aims and goals of it was to be. The Stage Is Yours podcast. Hello and welcome to The Stage Is Yours podcast with me, your host, Carl Graham, joined as always by producer Dan, here to talk all things theatre and events. On today's episode, we are joined by Taris Tableton and Darren Neal, venue directors for Greenside Venues. We talk all things Greenside and get right into everything about the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. I've had the pleasure of working with these guys since 2014, so let's not waste any more time and jump straight into it. Taris Tableton and Darren Neal, the stage is yours. Joining us today, we've got Tara Stapleton and Darren Neal, venue directors of Greenside Venues. How are you two wonderful people? We're wonderful. Thank you for asking. <laughs> How are you, Callum? I'm good. And even better now that I've finally got you on a podcast, feel free to make a joke because it's taken me this long to get you on the podcast. Darren was mortally offended <laughs> that he wasn't your first request. And you say finally got us on here. It's not as if we've had a packed schedule where we had to fight <laughs> to fit in, into our diary over the last couple it's of months. Very it true. Been, it has been very quiet. <laughs> it has. And it feels weird speaking to you, Callum, in, in this capacity, because you've given us a very lovely introduction about us being Greenside's venue directors, which of course we are, but you're our production director who we speak to you all the time. So you now interviewing us is probably going to feel a little bit odd for us all. So let's t- talk about Greenside Starwood and for you guys, how it all started, what it is, where it all comes from. Uh, yeah, let us know. Let's go from there, really. Where did it all begin? Go on, Darren, you can do the origin story. So um, Tara and I always, always forget when Greenside <laughs> started. Now, the short version is um, that it's quite convoluted how Greenside started, which is maybe why we get a bit confused with the years. But our official PR story that we go with is that um, Tara and I were wonderful friends at university. Um, I'd been to the Fringe for a couple of years before Tara and I met. Um, I'd worked at different venues and tried my hand at different things. And then as a spotty, arrogant, um, self-assured teenager, along with my best pal Tara, we decided we would give the venue, um, venue management thing a go. So in 2005, Tara and I um, started Greenside in the current form that it is now. Um, And that's when we had one venue that was Greenside at Royal Terrace that is still part of our family of venues and a really special part of Greenside's um, heritage. It was our first venue. We had that one venue with one space and four shows a day. And the rest, as they say, is history. Can we talk about how Darren um, used me for my grandma's cake? He didn't actually really want to be my friend. He just lived in the same block of flats with me. And I was like, do you want to come around for a cup of tea and a cake? Because I had no pals. And he came around one week. He's like, oh my God, this is really good cake. And he used to come around every Friday. So he knew I went to my grandma's on a Thursday. So he just came around to my house on a Friday to eat my cake. Actually, we, we lived in student halls with each other. And we were those, we were those students that would um, run out of toothpaste and... T- 
Tara would send the toothpaste up in the lift. I was on the top floor, she was on the first floor, and we used to send things up. So yes, that that at the, at the heart of Greenside, and maybe um, it well is cake always <laughs> cake. Never, me and Tara are never far away from a bit of cake. But without getting too soppy, I guess crucially at the heart of Greenside is two best friends that um, that love each other as well as um, kill each other most of the time as well. But I think that sort of follows through with um, maybe the whole ethos of who we are and what we are. At the foundation is built on two friends that um, that bloody love Edinburgh and the festival. That might be the nicest thing you've ever said about me in my whole entire life. <laughs> you've well, made you Christmas. You did start by speaking about cake, so you got me... <laughs> got me in a good mood <laughs> it's great it's a great story that it all started from like you said just from two friends and it kind of to see what it is now and where it is 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 a great story and it's well should have been 15 years this year or is 15 years just not 15 fringes um sadly everything that's gone on so how give us a little bit more um for those who aren't aware what greenside is and um, what they offer what it is that we, I keep, I'm going to keep saying we because I'm obviously <laughs> part of the public. So it's there. Um, and what it is that you guys offer to performers at the Edinburgh Fringe? So yeah, sure. So there are lots of different venue models at the festival. Um, and when Dara and I first started, we kind of had to think really quickly about what our ethos was going to be and what our aims and goals of it was to be. Um, we were 19 when we first started, so our main aim and goal was to pay our beer money and uh, have fun at the festival. But that developed into, you know, what what platform do we want to create? And the, it all boiled down to the, the founding principles of the actual festival itself, which was an open access festival. Um, and we believe in giving all genres and all people a platform to to put their show on at the fringe um, and greenside provides that stage and that platform and then alongside that is is you know we are hashtag greenside family and we truly believe and love that message that we have is that everyone that comes and performs with us are completely looked after and supported um by darren myself and our wonderful team which does include callum so yeah that's what our main goals are and i, I think that sometimes that can um that can get lost in, in Edinburgh a bit. I mean, the, the festival is gigantic. It's massive. It's the largest arts festival in the world. And I think what Tara and I always try to do is put ourselves in the the um, in the position of a performer coming to the Fringe for the first time, that yes, it is wonderful and there is so much opportunity, but actually it's really bloody scary when you're bringing a show to the, the Fringe into um, often an, a new city where you don't know the streets and you don't know the people and you don't know the etiquette and you don't know the way of working. It can feel quite cliquey. And I guess what we want to do is try and make that massive festival a little bit more manageable. Um, so at the heart of what we try to offer is just that really inclusive service that I think people really um, latched on to. So I can honestly say that right from 2005, we might not have been as slick as what we are now and as, um, you know, we might not have known as much as we know now, but I think at the beginning, we always knew that we wanted to be that safe haven where people would feel welcomed and friendly, that they were looked after. So I hope that that's something, even though we've gone from four shows to, you know, the, the almost 180 a year I think it's we've still got that at the heart what we do 
and I, this is when maybe some of our old customers will get in touch and say that they were evil and horrible and shit hope they don't because <laughs> we keep you know we we do people come to the fringe for different reasons don't they and i guess that's a difficult thing to to manage all the time but yeah i'm, I'm waffling there we go tara <laughs> <laughs> I was sorry, I should have pulled on my ear whenever you're waffling. I thought we were going to have a, a um... We should have had a coded. Hang on, I'll do that. So, whilst, whilst this is purely just an audio podcast, I'm currently looking at Tara and Callum on Zoom. They both have the ability to shut me up. And, <laughs> and more than that, Callum has the ability to mute me. Cal, come on, this is what you always want. We're in a meeting with each other. And you can literally just shut me up with a clip of shut you up. I digress. I digress. Sorry. <laughs> that all sounded like a really big sales spiel by the way like what we both just said about how bloody great we are but yeah obviously <laughs> there are going to be <laughs> different opinions as well but yeah our, our main founding ethos and founding goal is to look after people and to give everybody a, a, an opportunity to perform at the world's largest art festival regardless of scale regardless of experience regardless of who they are and what they want to put on we will help facilitate that if they choose to perform with us that doesn't mean that everybody that comes to perform with us is going to have a brilliant time though correct and now i know that's a what your motivation is and that's a that's a whole new topic yeah, yeah. because the, the fringe itself is a gigantic beast that will swallow you up and spit you out but maybe you'll just feel a little more um soothed and nourished on the other end of it by being a green side <laughs> <laughs> i think at the heart of what you're talking about is and everything you've talked about as much as it's sounds like you're singing green sides praises and we always knew this kind of was potentially going to happen in this podcast but is that you're is that green side is open program that it doesn't matter who you are where you're from of doing that that you can bring your show to greenside and also i'd like here's diplomatic tower coming in that doesn't necessarily mean that we are the best option there are other options out there at the festival and it, it depends on what you're looking for as a performer that to which model will suit you there are some fantastic venues out there that have completely different models to us and that works for them and that works for their performance so although we really truly believe in this model it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the best one for everybody so there's diplomatic tara not just singing our praises but that is the truth as well like when we yeah. speak about the number of shows we have so we have 180 shows out of three and a half thousand so for 180 shows we are absolutely the right fit for the other three thousand and Whatever, whatever it might be <laughs> they have found their own best choice but yeah Cal you're right we're an open programming venue and all anybody has to do is look back at our previous programs and and the the, the body of all that work together to realize it's absolutely beautifully bonkers there is a little bit of everything so yes we have people that are just on the cusp of breaking their career and you know and um, making it big time yes we have the um british council shows that performed with us yes we have you know a whole range of different things but we also have people that are really proudly amateur and people that are at the end of their career or people that just come up because they want to get drunk with their friends for a week and that's great as well so open programming means irrespective of all of that there's a place for you to form at greenside and we think that creates in our mind the most um eclectic and exciting program we could hope for which is great, which really is great. And it is, yeah, eclectic and variety is <laughs> having worked on... A We've had some now. right stuff, haven't we? Come on, think about those <laughs> programmes over the <laughs> the shows we've had over the years. There are shows of everything from musicals to from comedy to bands, which always go down, which 
made yeah. my life great fun. Um, to Elaine Davidson, to uh, oh, can we speak that? about Elaine Davidson just for a oh, second? We love Elaine Davidson. <laughs> it was the most what entertaining was week. Um, Elaine Davidson's Kinky Freak Show, and it was everything you thought it was. You know, thick, everything thick, you thick, I've still got. Show. Yeah, I can remember me and Madeline sitting in on that first show because we weren't quite sure what it was because Elaine hadn't told us. She kept it very secret what was going on and nearly having a heart attack. (laughs) She's honestly, though, she's such a fringe legend and an Edinburgh legend. And she is seriously one of the kindest people you'll ever meet. And she is just, yeah, I can't say anything. But not at all. It was it was an. Yeah, and even as she was making our staff scrub up baby oil off the floor, she was still ever so kind about it. Saying, oh, I'm sorry, Tara, I didn't realise it was going to cause that much of a mess for you. You know, you can't, you can't knock her, you know. Elaine Davidson is the most pierced woman, according to Guinness World Records, in the world. Um, so she's got the most incredible, colourful hair and just piercings all over <laughs> her face and her body. She's a, she's a, yeah, a legend and one of the yeah when you think about all of the the unique shows we've had over the time Elaine definitely pops up there for me absolutely uh, I think it is great that obviously offering such a wide platform for people to do that and go from there so let's move on slightly for you guys as the venue and from that what goes into it from your point of view of making that fringe happen that kind of obviously everyone sees the shows at the end of it and your performers see the venue but i think try and i'd like to try and lift it a little bit on quite what you have to go in work you have to put into it to make it kind of happen each festival dara and i sit in front of our budget spreadsheet and go oh gosh we've got to do it all again <laughs> and we start at zero and we start from programming from literally from september so we speak to companies that speak that email us we go to road shows up and down the country we even get to go to new york every now and again to pop over to an international roadshow over there where we basically go and spread the message of what Greenside can do and what it does and then we take applications and we if we've got a slot and it's something that they are interested in then we make them an offer and then they book in um, and when people when I speak to people about what I do as a job and they say oh what do you do and I'm like oh I, I run venues at the Edinburgh Edinburgh Festival Fringe and they're like oh what do you do after what do you do for the rest of the year and I'm like we literally plan for the festival what Tara's beautifully summed up at the, what we do at the beginning is we just literally speak, don't we? Oh, oh, like 24-7. And it, because it's a lot of international people that come to, to performers at Greenside, it's literally all hours of the day that we have we are available to have a conversation with um, a customer. Because, again, Dara and I, we, we really, the best part about, well, I can't, I can't speak for Dara, but the best part of my job, what I love so much about my job, is the amount of people that we meet and the amount of people that we speak to and the relationships that we build and the rapport that we build and the stories that we hear and the stories that we can tell um, from our interactions with our customers. So we don't just accept an application form and then make them an offer. We speak to people. We get to hear all about their motivation, about why they're bringing this show, what this show is about, what's important to them about the show. And I think that for us is, it's very, it, it takes up a lot of our time, but it's so important for us to understand exactly what our customers are looking for and what we can provide for them. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's the in a nutshell what we do from September to March, I would say. And I think that that beginning part of having a call with either me or you, it sets the tone about Greenside. So every customer that we that then walks through one of our venues in August, I've got a strange photographic memory of remembering a phone call that we had. I, I should, probably shouldn't admit this, but I guess the good thing about listening to podcasts is uh, finding out secrets. My ability to rem remember names is absolutely horrific. So if any Greenside customers are listening to this thinking, oh, Darren, he's lovely he is, the chances of me actually knowing your name if I bumped into you are zero because I'm terrible with names. But I remember stories. I remember the conversations. And I think it's adorable that we do get to do that. And we do. We spend so much of our time speaking. And I don't know about you, Tara, but genuinely, honestly, I don't get bored in those conversations. Mm -hmm. Towards the end, when we're running out of space and we're having to juggle and me and you are fighting because I want my customer to have that one slot we've got left in Emerald, that gets a bit um, tedious. But the speaking to people around the world about what really bring, what unites them and us, which is a love of art and wanted to bring it to a wider audience, is, um, is a real thrill. And every year that, that's remained. So we speak, 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 very much like I'm doing now. And then we go into full-on operational planning mode. And that's where me and Tara absolutely 100% could not do this on our own. And we've got a bloody great team of people who help us. You literally read my mind. I was just literally about to segue. You're going to segue into Cal now. I was going to segue into Cal <laughs> and Madeline and Jamie. Okay, and of course, our wonderful Steve Robb off of Live Systems that um, that helps us as well. So, well, maybe we can throw... Well, I like this now. Look, I'm trying to take control in this conversation. What do you do, Callum? Come on, we, we hand over to you. We say, here we go, Cal. Here's 180 presents for you. Sort this madness out. Put them in a tech rehearsal much. slot that suits their arrival time into Edinburgh, please. Do not yeah, do it giant. <laughs> that is the one job I'm gonna I, that this year I've not missed of fitting that massive jigsaw puzzle that is technical rehearsal schedule together. But um, yeah, essentially, I, I there's the odd occasion I'll get dragged into your arguments of the last few slots and go which one's <laughs> easier to do and which one's harder or find a way that which one works or which one fits so it's always quite interesting but um i think it's from my point of view it's seeing that massive variety and as much as we said i only get 180 things you guys get way more than that to deal with in terms of applicants who decide it's not the right venue for them or just people tentatively inquiring or even potentially and i know this happens because my email address it lands in my inbox sometimes of oh i'm just inquiring for 2022 and it's we're still in the 2020 process and kind of starts trying to talk way ahead of things and ahead of the game. So yeah, I'm as much as I design plan work very closely with Steve Rob, who you mentioned in terms of the venues that you guys offer and making that happen. Um, I obviously it's Greenside isn't my, my sort as much as it potentially could would eventually maybe one day become my sole job. I do other things around it, but it's definitely it's the one thing a year that well it's the consistent thing for the last 2020 would have been seven eight mm. but you are Callum, the most wonderful folder creator in the world if people saw his his tech folders that you produce oh, sustainability I swear, I swear right Darren, don't i get emotional whenever i see them yeah. they literally make me weep because they're so Amazing. Are you talking? 
are you on about my like planning bible or the one that tells you how to build a greenside venue the one for how to build a greenside venue with your goals Head. Yeah, they are lovely. I make um, it. You make that sound like I put that. It's as much for my own thing of having to try and remember everything, so it's not just sat in my head, and I have to try and regurgitate it once a year, <laughs> so that I can look at it and go, okay, I know what I'm doing, or hand it over to someone or the t or the tech team that are building it and go, this is what it is, and I, and it's not them having to ask me a question every. I think hand it over just to, to the person that replaces you in the future, but may we just remind or let our podcast listeners know. Callum uh, tried to leave once and we didn't let him. So I'm still here. And the less, less we say about that, the better. <laughs> um, mo- moving swiftly on. Um, so we speak to everybody, me and Tara program them because it's not just that conversation, it's then all the bloody paperwork that goes with it. Now, I would be, I, I said to you, I love the conversations with people. I do. Do I love the, the, can we swear on this podcast? Absolutely. Do I love the fucking paperwork? Do I shit? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Every single person needs a contract. They need to be sent the contract. They need to be reminded to send the contract back. They need to have an invoice sent. They need to have another. It's there. That's the boring bit, right? Tara, come on. The bureaucracy side of things. Yeah. yeah. Very important, but very yeah. boring. So we do all that, and then we have to plan everything. So that's when Cal was being modest, but Callum does a huge amount for us because every act that comes to Edinburgh then has to fill out, sorry, more paperwork about what they're doing, what their show is, what tech stuff they're bringing up, what support they need. They then need a technical rehearsal done. Me and Tara have to manage the relationships with our physical venues in Edinburgh, the council, insurances, Oh, staff. Remember them? Remember, remember when we used to have staff, Tara? Yeah, remember that? That was nice, wasn't it? Back in, <laughs> back in old 2019. But also, we, we must say about Madeline Hayter, who is uh, our chief recruiter, and she obviously helps us out loads with the recruitment side of things. So we, we go from having the core team of just kind of us three, plus Madeline, plus Jane, when they pop in every now and again, and then throughout the month of August, or sorry, July and August, that swells to... I think last year we had 70. Wasn't far off. There was a there was a lot around of um, green t-shirts walking around Edinburgh. Um, Madeline does a brilliant job of um, advertising for our jobs, interviewing everybody. She then deals with the operational stuff when she's in Edinburgh. Jamie helps us plan every minute detail. I mean, we we literally go down to venue by venue, day by day, space by space, staff member by staff member, who's going to be rolling the balls of blue tack and who's going to be sticking the posters on the wall. So to get the three venues built in the 10-day period that we have to look aesthetically beautiful, to be technically beautiful and completely compliant, um, it takes a huge amount of planning. And we could probably speak for hours to do that, but um, we like to be organised. And I think that we've, we've learned by mistakes over the years, haven't we, about you know, the smallest thing of not having blackout paper to black out the windows can slow you down by two days. And before you know it, if that's not in the right place at the right time, you can you can be in a lot of trouble. So we we plan an awful lot, don't we, Tara? Between yeah. by the time we get to Edinburgh in July, our job, mine and your job, Tara, is pretty much done, right? We hand over then. Yeah. We just get drunk for a month. <laughs> well, not right. <laughs> So yeah, there we go. Yeah, and and it, it uh, occasionally things go wrong and things don't quite go according to plan. And we won't get into too much because there are some. I feel like PTSD might kick in when we start talking about floors <coughs> and Jennies, um, and along those kind of lines, rainforest. and rainforests, um, other things like. So it doesn't always go smoothly, but I think it kind of it's testament that that 
I'm going to say almost 13 months of work, really, because we do start yourself. You start in August. I also start planning the following year's fringe during the current fringe. And it's it's 30 months work essentially comes down to eight, nine days between when we get there and inspection. Yeah. To get it all signed off. So it's, yeah, a hectic 13 months work into nine or 10 days. But what a glorious nine or ten days it is because you know definitely and I've, I've said this always always my favorite time of Edinburgh is those first 10 days so it, and I include those first 10 days to when our our companies arrive so when our companies arrive ready for um press launch day and we have our opening night on press launch night well our private part with all our greensiders like seeing these blank spaces get turned into something that we've thought about for the last 13 months and we've dreamt about and me and Tara and I'm sure you as well Callum have had nightmares about and um, you know it, it plagues you and I think that I'm sure we get oh my god we've done we've we've spoken for this amount of time and we haven't mentioned the c-word and no, I don't mean that. On purpose. Yeah. But I guess that's one of the things, if I think really about what what gutted me the most or what, I've, what the whole I've missed the most this year, it is that absolute sense of wonder and amazement that comes out of that beginning period. Because I think the reason why I like it so much is because it, it literally is magical, isn't it? You create something that wasn't there beforehand. And that's that's our theatre, isn't it? Our theatre is building theatres. So um, it's a great, great period. To, to do that that beginning point it all gets bloody boring after that Tara's waggling her ear at me which means I'm stopping that's right um so we're not going to go into too much into Rona I've talked far too much Rona over the last I'm sick weeks, of that it is and I'm absolutely sick of it and obviously everyone's got their story to tell and that's great but I think there are the overarching thing that I'm getting out of actually talking to a lot of people about it is there are some real positives to come out of it and yes, okay, we weren't there, but I would specifically like to talk about Greenside's crowdfunder um, and the oh. success that that turned into. Oh and my goodness. And let me talk to you about that crowdfunder. I have not cried through acts of words of kindness and support. And honest to goodness gracious me, I was sobbing with just, just touched oh. by how so many people that kind of wanted to lift us up a little bit and like support us and we were honestly on the floor like we were before this crowdfunded campaign started and everything that we'd done up and up till that point um so it launched is it in the beginning of august so we'd had the fact that the um obviously the cancellation happened in april and we dealt with the fallout from that so speaking to all of our companies and you know trying to work out what we were going to do and that's not even considering how we the lead up to that point in april of the what's going to happen are we going to get a festival so all of that and then to be lifted up and given you know literally people putting their hands in their pockets and saying here's a fiver here's a tenner here's 50 quid and then there was a crazy amounts of money that people were were, were donating to us to help support us it absolutely blew us away and kind of was so unexpected and so magical and so beautiful and it literally gave us a new lease of life it just it, it I can't speak more highly enough about and we're so grateful and humbled and in wonder at the support that we received so yeah thank if you did thank you so much and if you didn't, but you thought you might do, but then you didn't, that's cool too, because I do that sometimes. But yeah, we, were, we felt uh, we felt very emotional about the support. 
tears galore there was and it's oh. not just Tyra I mean we both were scooping each other up off the floor I mean and it's right there that the what people decided to give financially was not was not the the literally if somebody gave a five or if somebody gave 500 quid we loved them just as much because it was the thought that counted we know that the majority of the people that were giving us money were fellow creatives other people that industry that's that career was decimated by corona so people reached out and they gave us their money but the comments that people left as well i think you know it can be quite a um you can turn into well i think you can almost be a bit of a, an arrogant pig when you run a venue because it, in, a, in a sense especially me and tara we put ourselves front and center when we think about greenside we put ourselves out there saying it is about me and tara we want it to be about us because we think that that's where the the ethos comes from and we think that that's the the with a friendly face to it but to actually get people that had performed with us years ago from around the world that were saying you made a difference not you as in me and tara but greenside the the experience that they got meant something to them it was just absolutely bloody lovely and tara's right it was a torrid few months from when we cancelled right through to that point and we really, really needed that lift because I think it did give us the boost that we needed to get through the last couple of months because um, we needed that that lovely happiness. Tara, you loved sending all the T-shirts out, right? You I was like a little elf from a little workshop. Very late. Postmaster General sending um, those, those yeah. out. All the people in the queue behind me at the post office absolutely hated me because I sent off like 56 parcels, but sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was definitely a boost that we we needed for sure. And just you know the the the, the support that all of our colleagues got as well. And like you know it was a it was a it was a crowdfunder campaign under the umbrella of the fringe makers. So it was a lot of other venues, a lot of other artists that were on the platform. And and the amount of support that's out there amongst the public for the arts and for people impacted by this virus that work in our industry not just at the festival but just across the board it is yeah it, you can there is a value there is a value to it to the arts and it's just we just wish the government would see that <laughs> and i think that's to that's and I, I think you're right tara definitely across the whole industry there's a huge amount of outpouring but for us in our own sector of edinburgh i think the you're right going on the fringe maker site and seeing how much love there was for edinburgh for the fringe for for the mothership of festival the arts festivals where the fringe movement started there is a genuine affection for that city that gorgeous historical city that has given so many so many people so much um and you know the fringe are running a um a campaign at the minute as well and you can see you know with the christmas baubles i haven't received mine yet actually Lindsay, where is it? You, you better not have got yours. Well, of course, Tara's going to have got hers. On the, board. on the board. Board member Kilborn. <laughs> when did you get that? Yeah, literally during a board meeting. So I was like... <laughs> so, yes, and also, Callum, your bloody lovely mother. And your aunt... Was it, is it your mum and your godmother. auntie? Your godmother. God love her. God love them all. Thank you. Beautiful. Greenside Heroes, and yeah, next year um, we're going to be splattering that Greenside Hero tree all over the bloody shop and making sure people know how um, how much we appreciate them. So thank you, it meant such a huge amount. But yeah, I think what you were, what you were saying before, Carl, about the the virus and how it's impacted. So yeah, the the the, the crowdfunder was amazing, but then also um, 
it's given Dara and I the space and time to stop, <laughs> forcibly so, and think and see how we can grow from it. And it's going to sound really cheesy, but you know, we want to we want to rise like a phoenix and smash next year and future years and be, you know, as successful as we can be within our own goals and 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 things that we want to achieve as a as a venue um and i think it gave us an opportunity to kind of really dig deep and think about that and think about what we what's important to us as a, as a company um going to recalibrate because <clears throat> i'm i'm not ashamed to admit that over the last couple of years i think i i was finding the physical going to edinburgh for six weeks leaving my family leaving my dog um you know me and Chris adopted Cavan three years ago, juggling that family life in Edinburgh. I was finding it really difficult. And for me, going up to Edinburgh each August, I, w I didn't have the same sort of affection to it that I used to do before. I, it was almost losing its charm. How wrong was I? Because not having it for a year, I missed it intensely. There was a grief by by not being there. So from on a personal level, my batteries, my 15-year battery of being at the fringe, which had maybe started to get to about 70%, is now right at 100%. So I'm ready and raring to go. And um, so look, the, the whole I was hoping that you're gonna give it just just give it to me and I could just well, these bastards, let <laughs> um Callum and Madeline. When I get to that point of week three in Edinburgh, I always joke that they want to get they want to get my shares. They want to fuck me out the door. They want to take over. You know I never do that to you. That's you can't wait to get out of Edinburgh. You literally yeah, cannot I, wait. I'm the opposite. I love Edinburgh. I, I've never got this off. You were the first out of me and you. You were always the first one behind a wheel driving down the A1. It's only because I live two hours away. Yeah, true. Uh, but the correct look, me and Tara, we said before we started speaking on, on this wonderful podcast that when this is not going to be a negative, Corona's awful, it's terrible, it's ruined us. That bitch came close to ruining us, but we, we are not going to let it. So for us now, we are pumped, we are ready, and literally, this is a rebirth. It's a new beginning. It has to be a new beginning. Personally, as people, we've changed, but as a business, this, we've had to adapt we've had to change we've had to become smarter we've had to become more um, shrewd in the way that we operate but for us we're so excited now because we know that we're on the cusp of a new beginning for Greenside you know when we started and we we took on Nicholson Square that was one that was a new beginning for us the bloody year after like crazy people we were we then went to Infirmary Street which was the, the another new beginning 2021 for us is our new beginning and we can't speak about it in too much detail like those bloody idiots you see on tv and say i have got some exciting news coming but i can't say it just yet we are being those people that say we can't speak about things just yet but have we got some exciting things planned tara and callum oh it's all bubbling oh, absolutely. absolutely new things and i guess just what i wanted to interject at this point was we can't speak Isn't about it? you might stop speaking <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll hand it over to Tara. Tara, we cannot go on speaking about next year's festival without speaking about, we spoke about the brilliant Greenside heroes that donated to us. Can we speak about the, the true heroes, if you like, of 2020 for us? And that's those wonderful loyal companies that were due to perform with us in August this year that have stuck with us and stayed with us because we wouldn't be here without them. And 2021 is a celebration for them as much as anybody else. Definitely. I think this, this cohort of um, of companies are so special and they are, we owe them 
everything and we are gonna we have been working our little socks off to ensure the survival so that we can provide them with the best um venue experience that they will possibly ever get and we're gonna have such a big party when we get there next year with them all um and we've got a christmas party haven't we coming up yeah um, that they're all coming to so yeah we we are we are indebted to them and we are gonna show them our love next year and i guess what's been difficult is that we purely because of circumstance we haven't been able to give them the information that sometimes we wanted to give them or the reassurances about the festival next year. So I hope many of our Greensiders from 2020 that are going to be with us in 2021 are listening to this. You'll have had the emails from us saying it a million times. Guys, we are genuinely appreciative of your loyalty and your continued support. Stick with us next year and early next year we are hopeful that we're going to be able to really draw a line under 2020 and share with you what i think is the most exciting evolution of greenside that we've had in many many years so you're brilliant and it's all going to make sense and it will all be worth it in the end that's great i think it's i think from my perspective you've touched on it there actually having a break has been a good thing for all of us certainly for myself i think i figured out it's the first time in my entire working life i've had more than two weeks off in a row at any point um as much as it's enforced so i think that's a good thing for all of us so certainly a chance to reflect and realize just quite what everything does mean to you that it's more than just work and a job as well which i think is everyone we all knew anyway but i think we realized even more now that it's not happened and it's not been there that there's so much more attached to it than just paying the bills and earning your money in that sense oh it's an absolute passion like it's it's darren's heart and soul and love and passion is our job like we always say how lucky we are that we fell into this circumstance and made what we could out of it to the best that we could we this is this is us that's what when Darren touched on about, about it being, you know, we're the faces of Greenside and in inverted commas, but it's because Greenside is us. We are Greenside. It's a part of us. I've even got it tattooed on me. Like that's, it's an integral part of our souls and our life. And I think that comes through in kind of how we operate. And, you know, the, the, we, it hit us personally, like the, the, the cancellation of the festival and the cancellation of Greenside hurt us. <laughs> and not just because it means our business is, is 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 halted but because it's our heart and our soul we didn't get that top up of of what we get out of of doing our job in august we normally get topped up with creatives and arts and people and we haven't had that this year and that's a loss that i've felt most painful is not experiencing and seeing all the wild and wacky things that you see and experience during during August that that was a, well we did go up and had a little bit of a party oh, didn't well, we yeah. the less said about that <laughs> we, we we went up to we did have our our fill of Edinburgh we did have a little go but yeah I, I think that that yeah we, it is it is who we are as people as well as our business as well so yeah which is great and I think that absolutely carries right the way through everything that you guys do and you've touched on it before that you guys set the kind of tone for all the rest of us who are involved and Madeline Jay and myself will probably all say the same thing that the way we are when we're part of Greenside is just because of how you guys set it out and it's there we all came at some point just as volunteers and kind of 
not that I should probably say that word anymore, but at the time that's what it was. <laughs> say that up, you I can say that. And you come up and you work for that. And then I'm pretty sure you, I, the words to me at the end of it were you'll never leave him. And <laughs> that's uh, uh, the first time, first month I spent up there. And that's, yeah, and I'm still here. And now you live in Edinburgh, Callum. I live in Edinburgh. You wouldn't have done that if you never stumbled upon us, would you? Well, you Very didn't true. stumble upon us. I should probably I should probably say it because he'll wind me up about it. It's not said it in this. That I've got to thank Jay. Yes, because oh, Jay's the reason that I'm here at Greenside. If I hadn't oh. met Jay, then I wouldn't have have done that. So he's got. His- so Corona he tried to beat us. Didn't fucking work. See you never. Twenty twenty. <laughs> get in the bin. Twenty twenty one. We are coming for you, and we're ready. <laughs> this is it. We are ready. We've had all the chats we need. <laughs> we're ready and raring to go bad long enough um so moving on slightly from greenside still to do that let's talk about the wider fringe in general and how kind of that as the entity that it is has kind of grown and was continuing to grow despite everyone kind of thinking it would at some point kind of find its limit but i mean we I keep finding i think the rona's done that for us now i think it might have you know yeah. helped in that in that helped respect a little bit of that. so Let's start with um, the fringe. I think for a lot of people, the fringe is very, or was certainly a very comedy centric festival. And certainly a lot of the bigger names to come out of it are comedians uh, from that. So how do you feel the fringe is as a platform and an opportunity to artists? If you ask most people now, that still, if what is an Edinburgh festival, they would say it was the uh, comedy festival. Um, and yeah, well, there's yeah. It make up the majority of the program, but then theatre makes up a massive part of it as well. Um, so what do I think of the festival as a platform? I think it is if you are an artist and you want your work to be seen, then it is the biggest and best platform. There are caveats to that. You are, as a show, in direct competition with up to around four thousand other shows, so it is hard. I'm not going to sit here and say the Fringe Festival is fabulous and amazing. You're going to get five-star reviews and you're going to have sell-out houses and you're going to have lots of money. It's going to be the best time ever. It's not. It's hard. It's hard graft. It's hard work. And there are no guarantees. However, even just meeting the people that you meet on the street or meeting the people that you meet in the bars at the end of the shows, even the shows that you manage to go and see, for a platform for networking, for getting your work seen and for it being open access, I think it is the best platform in the world. I think that's a really good balanced approach to it there, Tara, because you're right. It is all of those things, but you're not guaranteed any of them. Yeah. So it's not a ticket to any of those things, but it's a ticket to walk through the front door. So you've got to be in it to have to get a chance to get any of those things. So do we hear of people that have had the best time of their lives? Yeah, yeah, every single year we do. People that flood us with those brilliant messages. Do we have people that have a terrible time? Yes, they do. So Edinburgh is bloody hard work. Not only is it the competition, it rains. It can be cold. You can get really pissed off with people throwing flyers in your face all day. It's relentless. It's tiring. But if you can keep your ex- expectations of what you want to get out of that platform grounded and if you can have really realistic achievable goals and ultimately if you put the effort in now the effort isn't just standing on stage for 50 minutes every day and doing your show and being brilliant 
the effort is making the backtrack a, a second. The most successful shows I remember from just from thinking about us and Greenside are those people that put as much effort off stage as they do on stage. And I'm not on about just the bullshit of sending out CVs, uh, not not CVs, sorry. That's, in, that's in Corona world. In uh, sending out your um, press releases. I'm on about the people that make effort with their people that are performing at their venue. The people that go to the bar afterwards or go to a park and meet other people and speak to them about it, that make those lasting connections, people that you remember because they made an effort. So if you go to Edinburgh, this incredible platform, and you put everything you can into it, you will get something out of it, but don't go there thinking you're entitled to get anything from it just because you've got a ticket through the front door because it will chew you up and spit you out. Is that negative? No, yeah. not at all. It's, negative, but it's, it's a realistic view of it. It is a realistic view. I think I was in the podcast with Ugly Bucket. We were talking through it. And I think I could name four, maybe five companies that I could 100% say went on from performing with us onto a bigger venue than where we are, than where we sit in the kind of pyramid of venues. Went on to that. Um, Bojangles, as much as um, from what they did that was my first year went on to a number of venues and have had success down in london as well as, and and have had things that they were there seen are, at the fringe yeah. to go on from it so there are people that have had commercial success but to a large extent as well i think i the success that maybe means the most to me is the personal journeys that people go on so that could either be not necessarily that at the end of it they met a, a tara's laughing at me now and saying that <laughs> I'm not even going to tell people what you're just doing, Tara. But I mean it. It is true. Coming up to Edinburgh and having a transformative experience that actually makes an impact, I think, is important. And not everybody gets that. People do come up to Edinburgh and leave hating it and never returning again. That's important to know. That doesn't... I hate us. Some people hate yeah. us. And, and the, there's no getting away from that. But I think that... There is a reason why so many people come back time and time again. It's not perfect. It is flawed. Um, but I think it makes up for a, a huge amount of that. And it not being here this year, I think, has made people realise throughout, you know, yes, it's loud and it's brash and it's noisy and it's messy and it, it turns a gorgeous city upside down. But it does a, a lot of good as well. It does. And I think that it's important to note that as a platform, which is going back to your original question what I think of it as a platform is that you know everybody that is everybody in our industry so programmers reviewers industry professionals they are all in August during you know during the festival looking to see work um, and as, as a platform you're not going to get much better opportunity to, to grab the attention of somebody than at the festival during that time um, so I think it's it, it puts everybody on a on an even playing field because it doesn't really sometimes if your show is amazing and your show is good it doesn't really matter where you are or what you're doing and um, if it is good and it gets that attention out there then they will come and see you if they're there at the festival so as a platform I do think it is so important that it is celebrated as that for sure um, which is great and there are what you say there are always those shows that everyone hears about that everyone's talking about that there's always five six shows everyone goes oh have you seen this go and see this and then by middle of week two you can't get a ticket for for anyone's chance and even sometimes with our connections they can't get you a ticket and sort out getting in that tara way. can get a ticket for anything now she's got everybody <laughs> in her fucking phone everybody knows tara here she is 
mooching for one of those company standby tickets. Hey. She does pay. I'm, listen, I enjoy networking and speaking to people and making friends. And you're very good at that. Um, so, obviously, we talked there as well about the fringe being as open access as possible. Um, do you feel that there are any barriers that kind of stop it from being as open access as we want it to be? Oh, yeah. Cost. Cost. And, <laughs> and you know what? We're one of those problems as well as a venue. We have to hold our hands up and say, we, the, the Edinburgh it's ecosystem, cost, it's um, as much as Tara and I come from staunchly working class backgrounds, it is a middle class game. It is, it's money. It, it's, it, you, you have to have money. Everything costs money to be in Edinburgh. Venues cost money. Accommodation costs a gigantic amount of money. When I tell people what we pay for flats in Edinburgh, their jaw hits the floor because it is so expensive. So I would, I would say the number one access barrier to the fringe is the, the cost, and that cost comes in several forms. Often the venues are lauded as the, the terrible money grabbers and it costs so much to perform. Um, come and look at the books. It costs a huge amount of money to operate these venues and to staff these venues and to, to have them at a quality that people want to perform at. But ultimately as well, accommodation is incredibly expensive. I know that's something that's in the fringe blueprint about them wanting to work really hard on trying to make the festival more financially accessible. And I think that might be our ongoing challenge as a, as a festival as we move forward is how we can make it more accessible. What do you think, Tara? That you stole mine, but then ran away with it. Which bit was yours that I stole? Cost, just yeah. generally cost. But um, yeah, there, there is there are, there are barriers. Um, accessibility in Edinburgh uh, for wheelchair users is pretty uh, terrible. So we have venues that we don't have um, wheelchair access to because they're in old, historic, beautiful buildings with no lifts. So that is a physical, actual barrier. Um, to to some spaces and venues. I think, yeah, it's the unfortunate nature of Edinburgh as well in terms of it's hilly, it's two levels, there's steps everywhere, um, which obviously is an actual thing. And then, yeah, the nature of that we put, we'll put a venue just about anywhere and normally that ends up being in some old, beautiful building that's not necessarily as accessible as you'd want it to be uh, in that sense. And Edinburgh, I mean, living here all year round isn't the cheapest city to live in. Um, I absolutely back that one up. But it's, yeah, the city has missed it this year. As much as people would never admit it, um, the city has missed it this year. And the fact that there's no Hogmanay, there's no New Year celebration, there's no Christmas markets. I think it's really, uh, yeah, I think it's made a lot of people in Edinburgh realise quite how much the fringe benefits the wider kind of economy of the, boost, really. the boost of the economy during the festival is in the hundred millions that, that the festival provides for the city of Edinburgh so it's gone it's so I think there are ways to do Edinburgh cheaper though right so the fringe cheaper so you can have a, a very there are various different accommodation options and models it, of venue as well yeah, models of venue so there are there is the free fringe which means that you don't pay a upfront venue higher 
for green venues like Greenside, we have a range of spaces. Our smallest space, which is a 30 seat, is you know far more financially accessible than our largest space is. So there are ranges of things that people can do. Um, it's it's a big big talking point, isn't it, about how we can uh, make it more accessible. Um, not speak about the evil c word again, but I do think maybe some of the um, some of the existing issues with accessibility are only going to be exacerbated in the future years because of the impact Corona's had. But who knows? We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Right, um, we shall look to wrap this wonderful conversation up and um, won't take up all of your evenings. Um, everyone who comes on the podcast gets asked these same three questions that may seem completely random. You may not know the answer to them. That's absolutely fine. Um, so our first one is if you had a dream show gig or <laughs> event that you could be involved in, um, what would that be? Uh, go on, Tara. I, I'm, this is now how much I know. I want to guess if you're going to say the same thing. <laughs> The dream show or gig. So if I could have any show of any level of performer, or would you say, like, because if it's a performer... Right, can I... I'm going to jump in and I'm going to... It could be anything you want. So then you do yours first. So the dream show that I would work on, that I was lucky enough to see, is I would work on Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, I would love to go back to its original performance at the Jane Street Theatre in New York, but um, I was waiting. No, let's say I would. I'd go back to its original with John Cameron Mitchell right at the beginning in that groggy off-off-Broadway theatre um, where the likes of Madonna used to come and watch that show because it was just revolutionary. So that would be my dream show. My dream gig is I'd be a Beyonce backing dancer. You know I would. <laughs> so there we go. I would not be Michelle, fuck off. I'd be, I'm, a back in, I'm not even on that level, I'd be a backing dancer. So it'd either be Beyonce gig or um, I'd be the sixth member of Steps. Oh, I was going to say Steps. You can't have Beyonce and Steps. Well, we can have the same because we do like those. There we go, those are mine. Right, my dream show. Well, this is just this is just what my dream show was, not necessarily what I'd want to work on. But um, my dream show, without a shadow of a doubt, the show that I've seen that's had the most physical reaction that I've seen is The Colour Purple um, and with Cynthia Erivo, is that how I say it? Erivo? Yeah. yeah, singing um, I'm Here, oh, literally mid-song, the, the audience just stood up, like <laughs> the whole audience en masse stood up mid-song, she hadn't even finished and everyone just stood up because it was just such a gut reaction to what she was singing. That was my dream show. I don't know if this is answering your question correctly, but that's what I want to tell you. And then my gig would 100% be the seventh member of Steps. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tara, I was at that show with you watching Cynthia Revo. You also need to do another name drop, which is it only had the one and only Jennifer Hudson in Jennifer it. Hudson, yeah, but I mean, we, so we were really giddy about seeing Jennifer Hudson in yeah, it. Yeah, we And then we were just blown away by Cynthia. Right. So, Who, yeah since then has become a um a global superstar yeah. anyway yeah there we go i like that yeah. i'm now thinking about working on hedwig and the angry inch and being a beyonce backing dance this is a good way to end well done um your second one um what's your post kind of show shift go-to snack I mean, what, what, is what isn't what would I... <laughs> 
we eat everything <laughs> when we're in Edinburgh. We literally just like we eat everything. Darren tries to make me go to the same places every single day, but I try and like we we go to this place called the Ampu a lot. Yeah, which is does amazing still Chinese open, food. Still open, just to let you know, has oh, is surviving. So let me, if I'm speaking about Edinburgh then, so my post-show gig, well, it's a bit strange because we don't really do shows or gigs, we just do it, you know, our whole bloody day is a show, isn't it? Um, but it's got to be having a Stuart's Lager in Infirmary Bar, wow. so that's the lager is good. That's we, not food. It says oh, You can have a pint, you can have a pint, a lot for a lot of people it is. <laughs> and Edinburgh again, I would have a a, uh, a Moss Kitchen in, in oh, lovely yeah. India. I've got yeah. one for you backing up so, the technicians on that one Most mine is very specific it would be around 3am and Even i would Palmyra. be by my friend madeline hater and my other friend james give him a name drop off of zoo venues he's my best pal apart <laughs> from darren um and it would be after a night at brooks bar we would go and have chips cheese and gravy on the walk home and that would end our nights four nights a week <laughs> <laughs> I, I need all of this back in my life now. There it is. And the final question of the podcast. Um, what's the one thing that you know now um, that you wish you'd known when you were first starting out? That bit of advice you wish someone had given you when you, when you guys first started out and would have made your life a lot easier? Darren, well, I can speak for myself, but I think Darren feels the same, is that because we started at this so young, so we were 19 when we both started, we suffered from imposter syndrome for approximately six years where we felt like we shouldn't be there. Like, what are we doing? We don't know what we're doing. All these people know much more than us. Six years? I think we still feel it now. Yeah, I know, I know. But, like, it was very intense at the start where we didn't feel that we deserved to be there or that we were in the wrong place. Because, like Darren said earlier, you know, we, we both come from working class backgrounds. We've both not been a part of the theatre world you know before before embracing on this so the piece of advice that I'd like to give 19 year old Tara is don't give a shit earlier and make sure you put yourself in venue manager meetings and make sure you put yourself out there and make sure you network and you speak to people regardless of how impostery you feel yeah that's a good one I think mine might be relatively similar and something that I probably have learned more this year than any year um, and that's to really um, I know it sounds so melancholy but like really appreciate it every single one of those experiences however extreme they are or shit they are or how hard they are however tiring they are overjoying they are or whatever they are just experience every bit of it and feel it all and and enjoy every single minute of it because it's fickle and it's short-lived and that goes for life full stop and you don't know when it's going to end or when it will stop being in that current form so enjoy it because it is wonderful even when it feels really shit i think it's some great not just um, I'm going to put that on a postcard. It's some great life advice. Absolutely great life advice at the end of the day. Um, this has been an absolute pleasure. And I'm sorry it took so long to get you both on. <laughs> I just honestly feel like I've just spoken about myself for an hour. I don't Thank you for listening to the Stage Is Yours podcast. Want to know more? 
then head over to all of our socials. You can find us at Stage Is Yours Pod, where you can catch a cheeky glimpse at some of our upcoming guests and subscribe to our YouTube channel to make sure that you never miss an episode. This has been the Stage Is Yours Podcast, talking all things theatre and events. Until next time.